I'm so absolutely confident that this message I'm going to speak to you today is exactly what we need to hear. And I know that God's going to reveal his truth to us as he's already been doing this morning through worship. And uh, would you guys just pray with me as we start? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your incredible faithfulness. Thank you for leading us into places that we would never have even imagined to go. But God, you go so boldly ahead of us and you know each and every step that we need to make. And I just thank you so much for revealing yourself to me and my family and allowing us to be attentive to your calling, God. I thank you for this church family, the support and incredible foundation that's been laid in the youth and with the young adults and all across the church, God. And I just cannot wait to see all that you're gonna do. We thank you so much for everything that you've done. We pray this in your name, amen. Is that better? Yeah. Good. Tell me again if it happens. Um, I put together a little bit of a video for you guys just to take a look and uh, just kind of introduce our message today. So would you take a look at the screens as we start off? I was about 19, 20 years old. And I actually grew up living in this area in Calgary, Alberta. I came to this spot because it has such a significant place in my memory, because this is a space where I spent a large number of my years growing up. I actually wasn't able to return living to this house when I came back from school in 2009. I ended up moving in with my grandparents because I was going through some short-term paralysis and some issues with my health. My grandparents had way less stairs in their place, and so it just made more sense for me to live there and for me to really spend time with them. Now, I had made some decisions and some choices that had really kind of sidetracked me from where God, I think, intended for me to go. I, I had heard my calling, but I was kind of distracted and, and I wasn't really acknowledging that he had any purpose for my life. The health situations, my dad leaving our family at the age of 14 and again at 19, made me really question what exactly it was that God had in store for me. You see, I had kind of lost track and I wasn't really sure what the next steps were for my life. And so living with my grandparents, I had an opportunity to spend some time specifically with my grandpa. And every single morning for, I remember at least a week, I would sit down over a bowl of shredded wheat and I would sit down for breakfast with him and he would ask me a simple question. Which Tyler was I going to be today? And this question might seem really strange and it did to me at the time as well, but he asked me this quite a few times and I kind of just always brushed it off and I, I didn't really have a response for him. I ultimately didn't understand what he was getting at. So my question begins this morning, who are you today? What are the situations that have happened in your life that have made you who you are today? See, we're a collection of the choices and decisions we've made. So without having an opportunity to sit down with each one of you individually, I wonder to myself, who are you today? I'm sure that there are many good things, maybe even some difficult situations that have come together to make you who it is that I'm looking out at this morning. I'm sure that even on the way to church this morning, some of you are going through situations that very well could have prevented you from being here. I want to say thank you for being here and for choosing to be here. That is important and it matters that you are here. Now, I'm not saying that we have to be defined by everything in our past. That's not what I'm saying this morning, but I'm saying that the things that have shaped us, who we are today, is directly linked 
to the things of yesterday. It's directly linked to the things of yesterday. Essentially, our choices matter. So I want you to imagine with me for a second, I want you to close your eyes. Nothing's gonna jump out at you. <laughs> I want you to keep your eyes closed. I want you to imagine that everyone likes you. Everyone approves of you. No matter what you do, everyone thinks you're awesome. <laughs> Some of you are smiling. <laughs> you can open your eyes. How good does that feel, right? That feels amazing to feel like, man, everybody's on my side. Everybody supports me. Nothing I do can make them think anything differently of me, right? Now, on the flip side, close your eyes again. This is the last time I do this. Let all of that fall to the side. Imagine being so consumed with pleasing God. All other worries and distractions just fall away. You no longer have to worry about what others think, believe, or say about you. Your only purpose becomes to simply please God. You can open your eyes. Doesn't that sound good? Like, in a lot of ways, when we eliminate the outside voices and the distractions, something incredible happens, right? We actually start to feel like life loses a bit of its complexity, and then we actually can just rest in that. I should mention, I, I was actually originally planning on speaking an entirely different message. And I've been here on a Sunday when I've heard this exact story, but, like, Monday, Tuesday, it, like, completely changed on me. I texted Pastor Peter, and I was like, oh, man, like, this happened. Like, here, here's hoping, <laughs> you know, essentially. And he's like, yeah, I know the feeling, right? <laughs> Good to go. But it's incredible when you're attentive to that, because I had actually written a message uh, in my first year of Bible school. And I had I'd written this message, and I had based a lot of it on a pastor that I really like. His name is Pastor Craig Rochelle uh, from Life Church. And I had based a lot of the content around one of his messages that had really spoke to me at a significant time in my life. The more I studied and really dove into the content for this day, I became really aware that it was super important to share this message with you. So I've reworked it for us today. I don't want you to think I'm delivering the same message I delivered then, but I've reworked it for us today because I believe that this was designed for all of us, me included. Our choices matter. They really matter. By default, we often choose what's popular. Right? We often choose what's popular. Our day is sometimes even prioritized by it, right? We wake up in the morning, check Facebook, check Instagram. Sometimes we check the news. Sometimes some of you watch Netflix for your news, right? <laughs> like some days, like that's all we do, right? Like there are so many documentaries on Netflix that you could just watch that and feel like you've been informed in some way. I just want to know by a show of hands, how many Facebook users do we have here today? Yeah, a few, well, almost everybody, good. How many Instagram users do we have? Less, yeah. Something interesting happened this past week, which you might not actually even be aware of, but Facebook and Instagram had a massive worldwide blackout. Massive. For about a day, night to morning. For some of us, you might have experienced it mid-afternoon. You wouldn't have really known. But it was actually really interesting. There's an article on CNN.com. People went crazy, okay? People went crazy. And this is what this article says, which I just thought was awesome. The company's flagship social network has more than 2.3 billion users. And Instagram has more than 1 billion users. If you don't know what it is, that's okay. There's a billion people that do, and they're using it. 
People went on Twitter, which is a totally different social media platform, to vent their frustration about the problems. The hashtag Facebook down and Instagram down were trending on Twitter for most of the day. Twitter is Facebook's largest competitor. <laughs> and Facebook had to go on Twitter to let people know what was happening. <laughs> people used the tags Facebook down and Instagram down to post about the outage, speculate about its causes, and trade tips. This is key. Trade tips for how to survive without the company's apps. <laughs> Twitter even made the subject into a Twitter moment, and it's blown up. It's all over. <laughs> Incredible. How many of you would probably say that like, we're pretty defined by the world around us, like culture around us? I, I would. How many of you would admit that you probably don't care? Like, it doesn't really matter to you. Anybody? Anybody in here? Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. And that's okay, too. But we all know that there's that show, that episode that you can't miss, right? That you cancel your plans for just to be at home, just to make sure you, you don't miss out on what everybody's talking about. It's easy to choose popularity over purpose because I'd suggest that we don't actually understand what it means to live a purpose-driven life anyways. We don't know. Let me break this down. Anybody buy anything from Ikea? Ever? Yeah? How about recently? How long did it take you to assemble it, like on average? <laughs> took my nephew a week. Four and a half hours, right. How many of you guys read the instructions when you assemble furniture from Ikea? How many of you just lied? Okay, hands quickly went down. I always end up with that like extra dowel rod at the end or like, you know, like something's not fitting quite right and I have to rework it. Like I put the back on, it's supposed to go the other way around, but who knew because they're painted the same way, they just fold differently. Like it doesn't matter. But the, the point is, is that if we don't know the purpose of a thing, it can't possibly fulfill its purpose. And without the instruction manual, if we don't know who created it or who to ask on how it was created, what it was designed to do, we actually don't understand its purpose. And we can spend a long time trying to figure it out. Somehow we still depend on the world to tell us our purpose. They didn't create us. God created us. And before long, it becomes so easy to continually live for the approval of people. Do I measure up? Like even today, this morning, I was struggling with this. Do you approve of me? I gotta look there. <laughs> for taking notes, write this down. This is one of my favorite things that Pastor Craig Rochelle said that has stuck with me. Living for the approval of people keeps you from realizing the purposes of God. Done. <laughs> Here's my challenge. Choose purpose over popularity. One of my favorite guys in the Bible, his name is Nehemiah, and he really cared about the problems going on in his world. If you only looked at his life and what was going on around him, everything seemed okay. He pretty well had it made. He had a good job. He served in the palace of the king. And if, if you don't know, that was actually a pretty prominent position to be in. He did, as long as he didn't fall out of favor with the king, he kept his life. And Nehemiah had it made. Nobody has job troubles like that, right? Like, you talk about job security. Nehemiah was cupbearer for the king. Now, he was cupbearer for a Persian king named King Artaxerxes. And in ancient courts, the cupbearer was a person of rank and importance. And this was because he possessed great influence because of his proximity, but also, like, he was frequently close to the king. He was frequent. 
He had received some terrible news about his people and the condition of Jerusalem. The walls and gates had been destroyed. The city was left open and vulnerable to attack. And this affected him greatly. Like, not just a little bit. This affected him greatly. Because he cared deeply for people that he had never even met. His heart broke for them. People that were living hundreds of miles away. For people that he didn't even know. Those of you who have been paying attention to the news, my heart breaks this week. Nehemiah cried out to God in a heartfelt prayer, and we see it in Nehemiah 1. He says this, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Did you catch that? For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of of heaven. He was so shaken by this news that he literally put every other need to the side. He had great purpose in doing this great purpose. And we read on, he says, in verse 5, it says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. He's desperate at this point. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He didn't say this king. He said this man. See, he was acting out of his purpose. He knew his first reaction was to go to prayer. He didn't just understand God's goodness, he also understood our sinfulness. He was willing to confess his sins. Nehemiah prayed with great sorrow for it, but he also prayed with a willingness to give over control to God. He expected the Lord to do something. He prayed so expectantly. (laughs) The list of things he's, he's offering in his prayer is, you promised this, I know that you'll be faithful, I trust in you, my God. Sometime later, Nehemiah was before the king, and and as cupbearer, he took him the wine. And the king was a pretty smart guy, and he noticed that Nehemiah appeared to be sad, and he kind of called him out. And he says, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This is nothing but sadness of heart. King Artaxerxes was not such a nice guy. He was not a great guy. History actually tells us that he killed his own brother to get to the throne, and then had previously stopped the work rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah was in the throne room about to ask this crazy request that would alone be enough for the king to chop his head off. There is no reason he should have been feeling any confidence at all. God was at work in his life. He had been put in the right place at just the right time to make a difference because he was focused on seeing God's response to his prayers. He was determined by his purpose. He was so committed to this. 
He was willing to go. He was willing to leave the comfort of the palace. He was willing to stand up to the king, to lose his job, to get fired, go to a place that he had never been before. He was willing to go through hardships, trials, and troubles for the sake of the Lord. And it paid off. Not only did the king grant his request to help his people, but he also provided him everything he needed. Everything, including safe passage. Because it wasn't just enough to be granted the freedom to go, Nehemiah's life could have easily been taken anywhere along the road. The king granted him safe passage to get there to do it because he recognized Nehemiah was acting out of his purpose. He was acting out of something greater. I think God was working in that throne room. There is incredible power in discovering your purpose, and I'm going to highlight three points. The first one is that purpose is ultimately greater than distraction. You can compare all day long. You can look at someone else and say, they're making more money than me. They have a better job than me. But you've been working hard paying off your debt. You're acting out of your purpose. You're focused on something greater than than something bigger, than what's next. You have a purpose in the moment that you have to fulfill, and that is okay. Understanding purpose eliminates the distractions. I can't be distracted. Like, I have a purpose. Haven't you heard? Right? Like, that needs to be our focus. I I can't be distracted. Sorry, that's awesome, but I can't be distracted because I have a purpose. Nehemiah was in the middle of this project. He was working on the walls. He was feeling pretty heartbroken. The walls of the city were broken. He was kind of in the midst of the situation where he's, he's finally, for the first time, seeing it for real. And, and they've been working, been working away. They've been facing some, resist, some resistance, been facing them. And he's just tired. And he's feeling disappointment. But instead of, like, wallowing in that, what he does is he rallies the people that were on the wall. He continues placing stones, working away, doing the job. When suddenly two guys come up to him, and they start shouting at him, why are you doing this? You're never going to succeed. All you're going to do is fail. You can't possibly complete this task. This is way too big for you. You know what he does? He looks down, and he essentially says this, I'm doing something incredible, fulfilling God's purpose. I cannot be distracted by your opinions. Do you know that I've been, what I've been through to get here? Nothing, nothing can pull me away from this purpose. This is key. Your voice will not distract me from what God has called me to do. Your voice, how small it is, will not distract me from what God has called me to do. We don't know each other that well yet, but I really relate to this. I've done so many things in my life, been so distracted. But the moment that I chose to give my life wholeheartedly to God and started eliminating those distractions, and I'm not saying this is overnight, I'm saying this is years. But his purpose has actually become clearer and clearer. See, because when people don't support me, when people doubt ability, I hear in my head, your voice will not distract me from what God has called me to do. There is something greater coming. I cannot stay in this place. You have to tell yourself all that, uh, that all the time. There is power in purpose, and there's nothing wrong with your purpose looking different than the person beside you. There's nothing wrong with it. Actually, do me a favor and just look to your left and look to your right. Be like, man, I'm glad I got to sit beside you today. <laughs> right? There, there is purpose in your purpose, and it's okay that that looks different. Something incredible happens when you decide that I'm no longer living for the approval of people. I'm living for God's purpose. 
The second thing happens that when you pursue purpose is that purpose pushes you through the pain. I'm sorry for those of you who might believe that fulfilling your calling in life or finally realizing your purpose might relieve you of the pain or struggle you're going through. The path to your purpose is probably painful. That's good news. The reason for this is because the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. His voice is so small. You will know you are doing what you are called to do when there is resistance towards the purpose you are trying to fulfill. That's an indicator. Sometimes pain actually clarifies. Like I've been, there's been times where I've actually been winded, like playing a sport or doing something, and I've been winded, and it's caused me to actually physically stop. There's something powerful in pain, is that it's clarifying. It causes you to reflect. Oh, that was close. That could have been way worse. Pain is clarifying. And I actually think that we should take a minute and consider that it's actually pretty awesome that we get to experience that. Because if we look at the only other person in history that paid anything remotely close to what it's actually worth to fulfill our purpose, is we look at Jesus. And the pain that he experienced living a completely faultless life, having absolutely no reason to die the death that he did, he had great purpose in living through extreme pain. Jesus paid it all, more than you and I can ever imagine. So in my mind, I shouldn't, ma I shouldn't mind the pain. It's kind of what I try and tell myself is that critics can't stop me. Opposition can't deter me from something that God has called me to do. He paid it all, and so will I. Your voice will not distract me from what God has called me to do. The third thing purpose does is that purpose empowers you to please God. This is what Nehemiah was tapping into. It, it purpose actually empowered him to keep going. I think of that moment in the throne room, and I think of how he must have felt in that very moment. I don't think that he was overcome with fear. I think that he was fighting it. I think that he was the aggressor toward it. That he realized that this was a moment, this was the moment that he was praying for, that God would reveal to him, this was the moment, the opportune time where he had to lay it all on the line. Whether he died or not, this was the moment, this was the time. Purpose empowered him to keep going. Bottom line is you can't please everybody. Some of you are so consumed with it. Some, I am so consumed with it. But my question is, is like, are we not tired of trying to find our purpose in people who are also trying to find theirs? Culture is trying so hard to tell us where to find our purpose that we can find it in things like money, work, social media, fame, whatever. Do what feels good. People will like you more if you just do it. Super simple, you can do it right now. Just do what you want. Doesn't God want you to be happy? You can't please everyone, but you can please God. That's the difference maker here, is that when we recognize that, we are actually set free from the opinions of others. Your voice will not distract me from what God has called me to do. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing what God has called me to, and I found it serving the only one that I can please. I love this verse in 1 Peter, and uh, the message version says it this way, and I think it applies to us today. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. 
to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I can please God by receiving my purpose, my day-to-day priorities from him. Keep doing that thing that is requiring you to be faithful to God because that is your purpose. Distractions will so easily pull you away from what God has called you to do. So easily. Some of you will face distractions the moment this morning is over. Before you leave the door today. I chose to share this message with you today because I believe it applies to all of us. But it also made a big difference in my life as as an early young adult. I know that finding purpose is single-handedly the biggest pursuit that our youth and young adults are facing today. I am so certain that we are in a time where they are being told not only how to live, but how to find overflowing happiness in temporary things. We are so consumed with popular culture that we don't actually know kingdom culture. Adolescence, I believe, is actually such a misconception. There is nothing adolescent about the situations our youth and young adults are going through today. They are going through adult problems in a world that doesn't recognize that they have anything to offer. It's okay to do what feels good. Self comes before selflessness. The decisions and choices that they make today will greatly impact who they are tomorrow. More than anything, I want each of our youth and young adults to know that they were created with such love, yes, of course, but also such purpose. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you were before knowing God. All that matters is that you choose to live life differently as a result of the calling and purpose on your life. There are seven checkpoints that I believe are critical to the foundation of faith, realizing our purpose. And it begins with teaching the next generation about what it means to have authentic faith. That God can be trusted. He will do all he has promised to do. What what spiritual disciplines even are, that when you see as God sees, you will do as God says. How to have moral boundaries, that purity paves the way to intimacy. How do we create and have healthy friendships? Teaching that your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. How to make wise choices. We need them to learn to ask that in light of my past experiences, but in light of my future goals, what is the wise thing for me to do in this situation? Ultimate authority, that maximum freedom is found under God's authority. And how to put others first, considering others before yourself, learning that lesson, that selflessness, yeah, it's natural. But selflessness, however, must be learned. Selfishness is natural. Selflessness must be learned. I believe that the greatest response we can teach is the response, your voice will not distract me from what God has called me to do. Do we realize that if God is for us, there can be no one against us? Like, imagine God's response to us saying, yeah, but what about? No. I've got this. I have you. I know the plans I have for you. They are greater than the distractions going on in your life right now. If you would only pay attention, I'm right here. It doesn't matter what your opposition is. I would say that it matters who is in the primary position in your life. So that whoever comes against you just bounces off. Nope, sorry, I can't pay attention to you. You're a distraction. What you're saying to me right now is a distraction. 
no matter what opposition you have or how insignificant you might feel, there is no one who can stop you when you operate out of your purpose. Many times we make excuses why we can't live or, or be all that God has called us to do, right? I certainly did for a long time. But there is nothing, nothing that I can think of that prevented me from being here with you today that God already wasn't going ahead of me for, that he already wasn't preparing me for. Because the moment that I chose to recognize my purpose, it all started coming together year after year after year. Small picture, confusing. Big picture, clarifying. There are things that God has in your future, so you have to stop stopping you, to get out of your way. <laughs> you have to move out of your own way. You have to stop trying to be everything everybody else wants and focus on who God wants you to be. See, our relationship with God is not about ability. It's not about ability. He is concerned with availability. Are you available? I told that story about the, the bowl of shredded wheat. No one likes shredded wheat. <laughs> you can put enough sugar on shredded wheat and it tastes fantastic. But I was sitting beside my grandpa, feeling a lot of self-imposed shame and guilt from decisions and my past and really uncertain about my future. He took the time to ask me, which Tyler am I going to be today? That has stuck with me my entire life. Because the question he was really asking was, who was I going to be tomorrow? When would I decide to submit my plans for God's purpose? When would I finally see? After a week of being asked that question, I kind of responded out of frustration. The right one! He smiled, continued eating, said, good for you. <laughs> the greatest thing he did for me was help to focus my frustration and disappointment in perspective of what I knew God was calling me to, but blatantly ignoring. Who we are today is a collection of the choices and decisions we made. All of us have a unique history, some good, some difficult, some even harder than I will ever understand. The truth is, is that Jesus didn't only die for my past shame, guilt, and sin, or your past shame, guilt, and sin. He died for all of it, present, past, and future, so that we could ultimately realize that new life, free of guilt and shame, that is available to those of us who root our purpose in him. See, because living for the approval of people keeps us from realizing the purposes of God. Living for the approval of people keeps us from realizing the purposes of God. I love that. We have such a unique opportunity to set a new standard for our lives, whether you're here today and believe in God or not. You can make a decision to allow his perspective to drastically change who you are tomorrow. I promise you, you will be recognizably different if you allow God to direct and guide you in your purpose. Decide to eliminate the distractions and run toward the purpose that God has for you today. Let's be faithful in all things, whether it be the job you don't love, the family you're struggling being a part of or finding your place in, the health issue, the situation that you found yourself in. Just commit to standing firm in the purpose of living for God's love instead of living for the world's approval. 
start to internalize that living for the approval of people keeps me from realizing the purposes of God. And when you leave this place, you will be recognizably different as a result. Let me pray for you today. Father, you are so good. You are so much greater than the situations and the distractions going on in our life. God, I pray that you would just show up in each of our situations today and that you would show us that we can be free from any distraction and any guilt and shame as long as we choose to root our purpose and life in you. God, that there is new life available to us. That we can walk boldly and confidently forward knowing that you are for us so no one can be against us. That each daily decision that causes us to reflect on our purpose would be thought about clearly And that we would turn to you and say, God, in light of what I want to do, in light of who I want to become, what should I do here? Pray that we would find our purpose in you. We thank you so much for all you've done. We cannot wait to see all that you're going to do, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.